Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And we would like to send a heartfelt thanks to all the men and women who have fought and sacrificed their lives to protect not only our freedoms, but the freedoms of those in other countries as well. You are not forgotten. This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. So excited about bringing you today's episode. Now, I'm always excited about bringing you any episode of the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition, Uh, but especially today because we've got Clint Sterner coming up. Clint Sterner, radio host down at 610 Sports in Houston or 610 Sports Radio in Houston. And Clint not only does a bang-up job on afternoon drive down there, but former SEC quarterback, so he's got some insight as to what OU was facing going into the Southeastern Conference, as well as some definite opinions on what rivalries need to stay intact once the SEC gets its scheduling model in place. And thought you might enjoy hearing that, so we'll have that for you coming up in the second part of today's show. Uh, We're going to go... The over and under on OSU. We went over OU last week, so we'll give you the over and under win total for Oklahoma State, and we'll talk about the possible pitfalls on their schedule. We'll talk about the Big 12 spring business meetings that are going on and the two things we really want to know about. And at some point in today's show, I don't know if I'm throwing this in in the first half or the second half, and a lot of it depends on where we are on time, I'll tell you who Caesar Sportsbook says is going to win the Big 12. And if you're an OU or an OSU fan, you got to promise not to laugh. My name's Eric G. I work for 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Please listen to us or download our app for your phone. I'm Pat Jones, co-host. There. So let's jump into it. All right. Um, OSU fans, you're always going to have a special place in my heart. Always. And if you're an OU fan, please don't get upset at, at me for saying this. First and foremost, I'm a roughneck. I'm an OU grad. I love OU fans. Um, but I also love LSU fans just because they're crazy. Iowa State fans. Man, Iowa State fans rock. If you've ever been to the Big 12 basketball tournament and you want to get hooked up with a set of fans that knows where every hole-in-the-wall bar is, watering hole, um, the type of people that um, you're going to wake up hungover the next day, get, get with Iowa State fans. They're fun. They know their stuff. They love to talk sports. And I can't say enough about the times that I've had with Iowa State fans in Kansas City. Well, okay, at least the ones that I remember. But Oklahoma State fans, why I just love you so much is because you're vocal. And you will call people on their crap. You know, if you don't like something somebody says or you feel like something needs to be adjusted, you have no issue saying that. And I agree with you. Look, when you are overshadowed by Oklahoma, all right, and I say that because Pat Jones says that all the time and Pat's a former coach at Oklahoma State. But when you're overshadowed by OU, especially in football, there are a lot of times where you probably should be front and center that you don't get that attention because, look, we just, we have to put OU first. That's what we are told to do. So today, as we put Oklahoma State first, you ask, you shall receive. And last week, I didn't go over the win total for Oklahoma State. So now that I've kissed your butt, here is the win total and this is the, all right. This comes from uh, Heartland College Sports. So if you've not looked on our website, you need to go to heartlandcollegesports.com because they've got the story of the win title uh, of the win total. I don't know what a win title is, but a win total. 
Um, and I think this is from sportsbook.ag. I should have written that down. But they've got Oklahoma State at 8.5. Now, if you and I were going to the betting window where we were going to bet online, and man, I cannot wait till Sportsbook comes to Oklahoma, but, and it's already in Kansas, <laughs> which is... Uh, which can, which is, which is huge, and and if you're a Missouri Kansas City Chiefs fan, you need to be worried about that. But um, it's already in Kansas, so if you're in Kansas and you want to bet the total for Oklahoma State, right, eight and a half, that's too low. Um, they're going to win nine at least. And looking at the schedule right now, the obvious pitfalls for Oklahoma State: October first, down in Waco at Baylor, and really that month of October is as close as you can get to a murderer's row in the Big 12. Because you follow that up with Texas Tech, TCU, and Texas. Oh, and then, by the way, there's you're at Kansas State. You finish that up in Manhattan. And with every single one of those schools, like TCU, big question mark. They've got a brand new staff. They've had some ins and outs from the transfer portal. How are they going to react? Tech, tends to always play Oklahoma State tough in Texas. Okay, first of all, K-State, I will say K-State is my sort of my dark horse in the Big 12 this year. Um, I just like the way the climate is, and I'm anxious to see how Martinez does. But Texas, and looking at Texas, one, their 85 is usually better than everybody else's 85 in the Big 12 except Oklahoma's. And most of the time, their 85 is better than Oklahoma's. It's just that, Texas with Ewers, who knows how good he's going to be, okay? Even those that have seen him play during spring football can't say with any confidence that he's going to light up the Big 12. Yes, they've got B. John Robinson, but it's also a program where the coach is on the hot seat after just one year. Could they win that game in Stillwater? Yes. Would I pick them to win that game in Stillwater? No. I would think OSU uh, would ultimately win win that game. But then there's the OU game on November 19th. So there are your possible pitfalls. If you had to pick three games that Oklahoma State would lose, you'd probably say Baylor. Yes, go ahead, throw Texas in there, and then Oklahoma. But I don't think any worse than 9-3. and And right now, I've got them picked as the team to win the Big 12. It's them and Baylor. I've got OU third just because I need to see OU play in games before I get gaga all over them, before I start touting the greatness of Dylan Gabriel, and before I start buying into a defense that I do think is still going to take a while to get turned around. Even though Brent Venables is here, he still needs time to get his guys in, and I preach this all the time. And I know that there's some OU fans that, you know, they they just want to hear how great this team is going to be. But I'm telling you, anyone that tells you OU is going to be 10-2 and next year and says it with any confidence is lying or they are just really trying to get clicks or they are trying to get you to listen to their podcast or their show or whatever. They're just telling you what you want to hear because the truth of the matter is none of us really know. We've seen them at spring. And I get this one guy's always, well, Dylan Gabriel's got better stats than Spencer Sanders. Yes, but that was in the AAC. All right. And the Big 12, despite all its issues over the last few years, is a much better conference than the American is right now. And the defenses are going to be a lot tougher. Okay. OU's got its issues. OSU, there's not a team in the Big 12 
that, that doesn't have issues. There's just some that have less than others. And right now, Oklahoma State, even though there are major holes on that team, and, and you're wondering how the linebackers are going to be, how the defensive backs are going to be, who's going to step up as running back, what have you, I'd still say they've got less, in my opinion, with the most experienced quarterback and best quarterback in the Big 12, okay, I I say that they've got less questions, less holes than everybody else, all right? And yes, I, I said that. Spencer Sanders, best quarterback in the Big 12. Tell me who's better now. You scream Dylan Gabriel, you don't know that he's better. You don't know that Ewers is better. Uh, Taylor Martinez, good, but how much better? The new guy down at Baylor, how much better? All right, and, and Spencer Sanders can just keep it out of the hands of the other team. OSU is going to be really good this year. That's just how good they can be. Oh, real quick, I want to sneak this in while, while we're you know kind of talking about winning the Big 12. Caesar says Texas. Caesars has got Texas as the favorite to win the Big 12. Look, sports books are there to make money, not lose money. I have no idea what they're basing this on. No, seriously, honestly, you d- do not laugh. Like you, I, I can hear you. I can hear you laughing right now. I have no idea what they're basing it on. I mean, are you really thinking all these kids out of the transfer portal are going to make that big a difference for Texas this year when Steve Sarkeesian is on the hot seat? And considering Texas' most recent history is just to screw things up at a breakneck pace, couldn't go there. I mean, honestly, it would have made more sense if you would have would have taken Oklahoma. But the only reason you're doing that is because you're stuck in the past. You see that orange Longhorn on the helmet, and you're just somehow convinced that this team is going to be better, uh, astronomically better than what they were last year. What have they lost, like five in a row? I mean, once they lost to Oklahoma, things went downhill real quick for Texas. Mm, didn't make a bowl game. Yeah, from not making a bowl game to winning the Big 12, Don't see that happening. Texas has to prove it. You shouldn't be allowed to pick Texas number one in your sports book until they've actually proven uh, that they can win a conference. Now, speaking of the conference, all right. All right, do you like that transition there? Speaking of the conference, um, you got the conference business meetings going on down in Las Colinas. And the big two things that we want to know about right now from the Big 12 Conference, one, are they going to split into divisions when the new teams come here? Um, if not, what kind of scheduling model will they use? They're not going to split into divisions. That I'm, I am just, I'd bet my life on that one. We're, we're doing a lot of gambling on today's show. I would bet that they go with some sort of three and, well, I see three and seven. I'd say it's probably a three and five model where you play the same three schools every year, rotate the other five. Uh, much like the ACC, so a three-five-five would make sense. You could do a one-and-seven model, which I look. We tried to do that last week with the Big Twelve on the one-and-seven, and I got stuck on OSU playing Tech every year, but then forgot that Tech and Baylor are a rivalry, and and Baylor may value Tech more than they do TCU, and they're going to want to say in that. So does that mean OSU and TCU would play every year? Would it be ba- would it be BYU Houston? There's a lot of things to iron out with that model. It seems like the three five five is probably a little bit better than the one and seven. Um, 
but I am anxious to see what kind of rivalries come out of all this. The other thing that, that you need to know is the conference commissioner. How far do they get on that? Will we have any leads on that? And will the Big 12 accept an early buyout from OU Texas? And will the schools in the Big 12 swallow their pride a little bit and take less money from OU and Texas to leave early and go to the Southeastern Conference? Because honestly, for everybody involved, that is the best thing to happen. The sooner an OU and te- the sooner OU and Texas can get out and you bring your new schools in, you're in a much better place as a conference, a much harmonious place as a conference. What they're willing to accept, you know, how much of that buyout they're they're willing to cut down on is, is still somewhat head scratching. Would the SEC be willing to kick in a little bit of money? Hey, they got a part in this too. You know, how bad does the SEC want OU Texas? And maybe if OU and Texas were forced to go to them and ask for a little bit more buyout money, we'd see how bad the SEC wants OU in Texas. But you as a Big 12 fan, if you root for Oklahoma State or Iowa State or any one of these other schools, yeah, you want OU and Texas out as soon as humanly possible. And maybe the new commissioner can make that happen. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll continue to talk scheduling. We'll hear from Clint Sterner from 610 Sports down in Houston, former Arkansas quarterback. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. This past Friday on the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, I had the opportunity to talk with Clint Sterner from 610 Sports Radio in Houston. Clint is a former quarterback from the University of Arkansas, and he's got some keen insight on what it's like to play in the SEC. He's also got some opinions on how the scheduling should work out for the Southeastern Conference and what rivalry should stay intact. And we started off by talking about what OU can expect week in, week out once they join the Southeastern Conference. Oh wow, man, that's a that's a loaded question. Um, I mean, one, you're stepping up. Clearly, you're stepping up uh, in terms of the the entire conference. You're stepping up a level. I mean, and I'm not banging on on the on the Big Twelve at all. I'm, I'm just simply from here. I mean, week in, week out, you're 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 facing a different monster here. The top end of the Big 12 is, is, is really good. The top end of the SEC is really good. What separates the SEC is, with the exception of a couple of teams year in, year out, you've got some dogs. Now, you've got some guys that'll, that, that'll beat you up and they'll play you, fight you tooth and nail, where I don't think every, every conference is that deep. So, first of all, that's, that's the, 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 the difference between the SEC and other schools. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think the, the most beautiful thing about OU joining – and Texas joining the SEC is if the SEC doesn't screw this thing up, if, if, if they make sure that you get OU Texas, you get Texas, Texas A&M, you get Arkansas, Texas, make sure those rivalries either bring them back or continue them, um, then, then I tell you, they could, they could hit, this, hit a grand slam with this thing. It could be absolutely beautiful. It, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Well, and it sounds it sounds like based on what you're saying, you would not be in favor of the what they're calling the one seven model, where you would play one common opponent every year, and then rotate the other seven opponents you would play. It sounds like you want to see Arkansas and A and M, Arkansas and Texas, and I, I, Clint, I think OU Arkansas has a chance to be a, a, a fun rivalry if if that happens. Oh, it would be killer. I mean, it would be. I mean, anything. Any when you put two schools together that are that close in proximity with the tradition that those two schools have, it would it would be 
to me, that that has potential to be a, a future rival. Obviously, you're not leaning on a bunch of history. Well, hell, actually, you really are. You're leaning on some history and the proximity. Look, I, I, I'm okay with whatever model they use. I, I just believe that the number one, the number one priority in in developing this model, whatever it looks like, is Texas and Texas A&M better play each other. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, that that is one of the biggest traditions. In, in football history, I understand OU in Texas is a big tradition, and, and that that would be a hard one to see go away. And I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not in that corner. I, I I think Texas should play A&M, and I think Texas should play OU. Those two games should exist in in the SEC schedule every single year, not every other year, not in this with with these pods. You put them in different pods, and it's it happens every so often. That should be an absolute staple. All of us college football fans, we deserve we deserve to see OU Texas every damn year. We deserve to see Texas, Texas A&M every year. We deserve to see Florida, Georgia every year. I mean, it's not just, just the, over here in our little region of the country. I mean, there's rivalries out there that are absolute no-brainers that they, the NCAA and the SEC just should not and, and hopefully will not screw up. There's a lot to unpack in what Clint had to say, so let's start with scheduling. Last week on the show, I told you I was all for the 1-7 and seven when it came to OU. OU and Texas play every year, and then you would have these seven opponents that would rotate throughout the years. Um, one year you'd play a schedule of seven. The next year you'd play a different schedule of seven, so forth and so on. I like that from a television standpoint because it would give ESPN an opportunity to see more Texas Georgia, OU Tennessee, OU LSU, Texas Alabama, OU Florida, it would rotate more often, and from a television standpoint, that's something that's easy to sell. From a fan standpoint, it's very easy to get excited about. Where it's last year, hey, we played Florida. Well, this year it's A&M. This year it's LSU. Uh, well, this year it's Arkansas. But as Clint pointed out, okay, even if you're a Texas fan and you're saying you'd rather play OU every year than play Texas A&M every year, there's going to be politics that get involved in this, state politics. And AM's biggest rival has always been Texas. And that is a big deal to that state. And in that region, that Houston area, I get the feeling you have more people that would want to see them play every year than necessarily see OU and Texas play every year. Whereas when you go north of that, when you go north of Austin, there's probably way more sentiment for OU Texas. So probably the best thing to do, as neat as the one and seven sound, is to do what the ACC is doing and, and what we talked about with the Big 12, which is the three five five model. Um, OU would play Texas, Arkansas, and A&M every year. Then you'd play five teams for two years straight and then rotate to the other five. I feel like I've got to keep re-explaining this because in in a way it can get kind of confusing. And he is right. There are some rivalries that need to be preserved. And OU Texas is extremely important to reserve. So is Texas, Texas A&M. And honestly, the idea of OU Arkansas playing each other every year is a lot of fun, especially for those of us in Tulsa. I mean, if you're in Tulsa, this that, that becomes a big deal because A, there's a lot of Arkansas fans here. B, it's an easy place for both people to get to, and it just it gives you one, one more game that you can kind of sick your teeth into during those summer months 
when not a heck of a lot else is going on, especially when you do a football-heavy talk show or a football-heavy podcast, um, which, you know, apologies. Look, first of all, congratulations to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State for making the Women's College World Series, but we're very heavy on football around here. Second, this is the thing that maybe OU fans really don't get about going into the SEC, and it's not an aspect that we've really explored enough, is just the straight-up physicality of the Southeastern Conference week in, week out is unmatched. In the Big 12, and again, not to slight the Big 12 because it's gotten better, but you're not going to get beat up week in, week out in the Big 12. Uh, Defenses have gotten better. Uh, Baylor's always had a commitment to physicality. The Oklahoma State defense, I cannot praise them enough for the way that they develop their players and how hard their guys hit and how they seek out contact maybe better than anyone in the country uh, who was not named Georgia. I mean, those dudes love to hit, but they're also not the same type of players that you see at Georgia. Yes, you've got a Colin Oliver, you've got a Trace Ford, but Georgia's full of those people, full of those kind of players. LSU's full of those kind of players. Mississippi State, um, despite the fact that they're only concentrating on offense, you're still going to get your athletes, same with Ole Miss. So it's going to be much more of a meat grinder. And when you go through an eight-game schedule in a meat grinder like that, you're going to get the living hell beat out of you. So much so that there will come games that either A, should not be as tough as what they end up being that week, or B, you end up getting beat by a lesser opponent just because the week before, you took a shellac, not so much a shellacking, but physicality. You just got a few more guys nicked up, can't get out and compete, and when the margin becomes a lot thinner, when the margin of error becomes a lot thinner, because you're not your depth is like OU and Auburn's depth are about equal. Okay, I would think most of your OU is going to be better, but you get some years where Auburn, who was you know historically done a great job of recruiting and developing talent, sometimes that one two players that may make all the difference. And it may and it may mean the difference of you going ten and two, from you going eight and four, from you competing in the Southeastern Conference Championship to you being on the outside looking in. And that's just something that OU fans are going to have to get used to. More importantly, the players are going to have to get used to it. And that's why when you bring back a guy, that's why you bring back a guy like Jerry Schmidt, because the one thing that OU lacked under Lincoln Riley was that toughness, was that physicality. Well, part of that. A big part of that is in your conditioning, and that's why you bring back a guy like Jerry Schmidt because Jerry Schmidt is going to be able to put you through through hell in order to get you ready to go, go through that kind of season. He's going to get OU players physically ready. This is going to be a process. OU still needs to get better talent, but as I was talking today on uh, another radio show, it was on James Hell's show down in Oklahoma City, as I was talking today on his show, why I'm more confident that OU can make this jump than Missouri could, than uh, Nebraska could to the Big Ten or Colorado to the Pac-12, which in a way should have worked out a lot better than what it did, but is OU's not cutting off its recruiting base. OU's main recruiting base is still down in Texas. And now Texas, if you figure OU was part of North Texas, in a lot of ways it is, with A&M, Texas, and OU there, you're still going to be able to mine and get kids from that uni- from that state 
all right, and you're still going to be good. Now, you need to go into other parts of the country. It's going to open up doors in the southeastern part of the country, and you've been more successful than Mississippi State. You've been more successful through the years than Ole Miss. And even though kids may be more prone to staying at home, you've got better history to sell than those schools. So OU's going to be fine. Six conference championships in a row, fine, no. But they're not going to drop back to where Nebraska is. They're not going to end up being Missouri. May not be as good as you're used to seeing, but they're still going to be one of the premier schools in in the country. And as long as this this college you know, football playoff can expand to 12, I think, oh, you'll be fine. And more years than not, you're going to see them in that college football playoff. That wraps up this week's edition of the show. We thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week with another killer edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. And remember, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote the great Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.